Welcome to Threat Informed Cyber Defence, a cybercrime magazine podcast series brought to you by Cyber Ranges. In this series, we'll focus on the acceleration and validation of cyber capability and resilience by discussing the virtuous circle of threat intelligence and threat informed simulations to demonstrable, measurable abilities centered on next generation cyber ranging technology. To learn more about our sponsor, Cyber Ranges, visit cyberranges.com. I'm your host, Charlie Osborne. Joining me today are Dr. Al Glaziano and his colleague, Amarjit Laburam of Cyber Ranges Corp., to discuss cyber threats, cyber threat actors, cyber physical threats, cyber threat intelligence, threat emulation, and more. We're going to eventually focus on how regular practice against the latest threat emulation develops effective cybersecurity preparedness in this episode. Thank you both for joining us today. Al, Labu, first of all, if you could please introduce yourselves and Cyber Ranges Corp to our listeners. Al, if you would like to start. My name is Almerino Graziano, or Graziano. I'm the CEO of Cyber Ranges. Cyber Ranges is the next generation Cyber Range platform. We operate now the new Quantico Cyber Range in Stafford, Virginia. Our facility is part of the cyber ecosystem near the US Marine Corps. We regularly work. And Cyber Ranges, we work globally with a number of reputable organizations. We work regularly with the UN, ITU, the International Telecommunication Union. And we've delivered and regularly deliver cyber exercises regionally and globally, and also with other organizations such as the Global Cyber Alliance, which are focused on cybercrime and law enforcement. Wonderful. And Labu, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Thank you, Charlie. My full name is Amajit Laburam, but most people know me as Labu. I am the lead of the threat emulation team at Cyber Ranges and specializing in offensive security and red teaming with over 10 years of experience in InfoSec. My role at the organization involves the development of bespoke scenarios used for training and guiding stakeholders on effective detection, response, and mitigation strategies. Such scenarios are also based off both our own and partners' CTI feeds. So in this episode, I would like to begin with a simple question. Cyber threat-informed defense, isn't it quite obvious? Or what is the crux of this concept? Al, if you would like to start us off. So when you look at the cyber threat landscape today, it's changing quite rapidly. And you have global threat actors, local threat actors, and the way they operate, the tactics and the techniques they use to target their victim organizations, which can be of you know different nature, it can be commercial, uh, military, you know, state-sponsored, or it could be government organization. What we're really seeing is that the balance between the attack and the defense is greatly skewed towards the attackers and the threat actors. And that's because the way they change and how they can change and the flexibility is so high that it becomes very difficult and challenging for organizations to keep up. So therefore, we have worked now for a few years on trying to integrate the cyber threat intelligence, which is you know the understanding of the threat actors, their motivation, their capabilities, and we'll use that information to create high-fidelity environment and simulation that can help organization level sort of the playing field and become more prepared in responding to cyber attacks. And Labu, anything to add? Yeah, so I'll just emphasize something that Al mentioned, which is that with this threat intelligence, we also look at refined information and analyze and organize info about cyber threats that are currently going and targeting organizations in various sectors. And basically, this collection of information may be sourced from different places, coming up from things like social media, human intelligence, technical intelligence from cyber reports that are out there as well as even going to the extent of looking for this information in the dark web. 
So the reason for all this is when this information is pieced together, all these data sets provide a holistic view of the threat environment that a specific industry region or a particular entity could be facing. So with that threat intelligence, this is where the power of cyber agents scenario composer combined with the injector engine comes to life. And this is now where we are able to use this threat intelligence to then develop high fidelity scenarios. And this also encompasses the realism to the core because these tools allow us to mimic real world enterprises based off this cyber threat intelligence that we receive. And from there, we're able to even mimic things like the dark web, watering hole servers, C2 servers, and create bespoke scenarios that showcase the adversaries, tactics, techniques, and procedures. And on that note, Labhu, when it comes to threat intelligence, why is it crucial for cyber defense? Are there any areas that are particularly important? We can think of several points of importance when it comes to threat intelligence. First of all, we can look at proactive defense, and this is usually found because in traditional security measures, it tends to be very reactive, and this is more focused around response after an incident has occurred. With threat intelligence, the security teams are equipped with foresight about different tactics and techniques that adversaries may use, and by understanding these TTPs, they can then better defend their specific organizations. The other thing of importance comes about when making decisions because security leadership often needs to make critical decisions under pressure. So the threat intelligence provides a data-backed framework for making more informed decisions about investments, risks, and response strategies. The third point would be that not all threats are equal. So depending on the entity and organization, they have different risk factors. And by understanding the specific threats that that organization or region might be facing, they're able to better develop strategies to address and defend against these pertinent risks. The fourth point will be that security teams are often overwhelmed with countless alerts daily. And this may result in fatigue because of these false positives that may be uh, getting ingested in these SIEM tools. So the threat intelligence allows for the teams to be able to filter out and reduce the number of alerts, allowing them to focus on the most relevant and pressing threats that they may be facing. And finally, threat intelligence is usually shared amongst organizations and within industries can lead to a collective defensive strategy that allows for better management and defense against common adversaries within that sector. Charlie, if I may add to what Labo has said, because when we talk about cyber threat intelligence or when we look at cyber threat intelligence and organizations use it, we usually look at, obviously, an understanding of the threat actors, their capabilities, the tools that they use, the techniques, but is usually with reference to what we call indicators of compromise. In other words, how can I better detect a potential ongoing attack across you know, the kill chain? How can I understand if I'm under attack or if I'm already compromised? But when it comes to the way we use cyber threat intelligence, we need to go deeper. So in order to replicate those IOCs and therefore present the user of the range with a high fidelity environment, we obviously need to recreate those indicators of compromise. And in order to do that, we often include and incorporate in the simulation the real malware samples that we gather from our research and from our partners. Therefore, we incorporate those very same tools and malware that are used. A typical example that is very interesting, very applicable is when you, for example, simulate a phishing attack, 
the real deal in a high fidelity environment is being able to incorporate, for example, in the phishing email that we send out within the range, let's say the attachment with the malware once, and then being able to emulate the user opening an email, double-clicking on an attachment, and infecting the machine. And that way, we achieve an incredible level of high fidelity, and we take that cyber threat intelligence to its best use. And Al, do technologies like this also help prepare organizations for potential cyber attacks? Absolutely, absolutely. The focus today for many organizations, and you know, this is the trend that we observe, obviously cybersecurity is high on the agenda for every CISO and every organization around the world. And the approach that we see being followed is that they focus on increasing the skills and the competence of the operators, you know, the analysts, the security professionals that work within the organizations. The reality is that you don't know how well you can respond to an attack until you are actually under attack. So the fact that I can do an exercise or, for example, detecting an alert and doing a correlation between different events doesn't guarantee or doesn't give me any assurance that I will be able to do that under pressure when multiple events occur, there are interactions with other team members, and really, this is the ultimate objective for an organization. So how do I measure, how do I validate the ability of the organization to quickly detect and respond to a cyber attack? And when you use a high-fidelity environment in cyber ranges, what we do, we actually recreate that kind of pressure system where an incident handler is really dealing with a lifelike situation. And that really helps giving organization the assurance that, hey, should this happen for real, then my team will be able to detect and respond to the attack. Thanks, Al. It's really great to hear your passion and confidence in your team and, of course, your technologies. Labu, on that note, where do they stem from? Based off this information we have, the threat intelligence is the most effective when it's integrated with existing security tools like SIEMs, endpoint protection platforms, and intrusion detection systems. So this ensures that we have real-time threat data that is used to enhance detection and response capabilities. So as Al mentioned, when we create these high-fidelity scenarios, these indicators of compromises are being directly created in this safe environment that the participants get to interact with, and therefore they're able to now ingest and really see how that threat actor would operate in that particular context. So this is one way where this technology or this information can be leveraged to improve on defenses. So the other thing that happens is because the threat landscape is constantly changing, there needs to be a regular updating of threat intelligence feeds and the data sources so that organizations are not caught off guard. Threat actors are constantly researching and finding new ways of doing tactics or objectives. So for example, you find people who are using tools like Mimikatz to dump out credentials. And then eventually, as the defenses improve, threat actors start finding various other techniques of dumping out credentials. So for a defense individual, somebody working in the SOC, it's prudent to understand not just about a specific tool, but what could be happening when a threat actor is trying to achieve a certain objective. Then thirdly, you have the fact that 
threat intelligence is not just to gather information, but is for you to act on it. So as we get this information about what new TTPs are being developed by threat actors, we then need to take that information and see how we can incorporate it within our organizations so that it can be actioned. It should not just be information that can not be used so that its value continues to be of importance. Finally, just like anything out there, it's important to keep up to date by having consistent training. So threat intelligence is only as good as the people using it. Investing in regular training of the security teams ensures that they know how to interpret and act on that data that they receive. And Al, anything to add to that? No, I think Labo has been quite extensive on that. I think what Labo is doing with his team is fascinating. I mean, I am quite a technical person as far as CEOs are concerned, but it's always amazing to see Labo and his team at work every time I happen to be, you know, in their vicinity and look at their monitors. It's fantastic. I mean, it's like looking at the threat actors in action with the only difference that what they're doing, they are emulating the activities of the threat actors in a safe environment and reproducing such attacks so that our clients can be prepared and better sort of suited for responding to cyber attacks. You guys must be very proud of your achievements to date. And I wondered, to wrap up this episode, could you tell our listeners a little bit more about that? Yes. Uh, So one of the things that I like to emphasize when we talk about really the cyber range's work and what we do with regards to the threat emulation is really about understanding the difference between uh, simulation and emulation, because that's really key to creating a high fidelity environment. You see, simulation is about replicating what an attacker does, but in a safe mode. So a typical example is a security awareness. I send you a phishing email, but really I'm testing your ability to detect and understand whether that email is a phishing email or not, but really there is no impact to your computer. We can do that within the range. But what we are extremely proud of is the ability to actually emulate the attacks. And emulation is really about replicating the real thing. So if we are sending a phishing email, as I was saying before, that phishing email, once open, will impact the computer, will infect the computer, will then generate more attacks, and will create a realistic environment. And the ability to do that and to do this a large scale with the range is really one of the things we are proud of because the biggest challenge today in the experiential market and the cyber range domain is not only the ability to create such high fidelity environment, but to actually scale them to be able to deliver large scale events. For example, training hundreds or thousands of people simultaneously on simulated environment like this or having cyber exercises for, let's say, a national level, you know, in the sector level type of exercises. And the ability to deliver this is really one of our pride. It's really our pride. And that's based on our technology, the scenario composer, the injector engine for the emulation. But really, it's based on our extremely high level orchestration that we have built in within the range. Last, if I may say, if you are in Virginia and willing to travel to Stafford, you're welcome to visit us and enjoy a visit at the Quantico Cyber Range. And we're very happy to show you some of the threat emulation scenarios that we have developed and that we are developing. That's amazing. And Labu? From my end, I would just like to reiterate, as Al said, that the beauty about the platform and using this information is the ability to be able to create these bespoke scenarios that really hit the nail on realism and to be able to mimic 
various types of tools and techniques that threat actors use, allowing us to train different sectors across the board from different parts of the world. It's really an amazing feat that we're able to pull off with our platform. So very proud to be part of this team. Thank you, gentlemen, for talking to us today. It's been a really, really interesting episode. Pleasure to be back with you, Charlie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Charlie. It's been a pleasure and definitely look forward to another session with the team. Threat-informed cyber defense is brought to you by Cyber Rangers. Cyber Rangers delivers world-class cybersecurity training and capability development exercises using next-generation technology and services for the design, delivery, and management of simulation-based deep dive experiences in cybersecurity. To learn more about our sponsor, Cyber Rangers, visit cyberrangers.com. Listen to all our podcasts at cybercrime.radio.